Welcome to Core Conversations. My name is Kaylee Kukla, and I've spent more than a decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my professional knowledge and experience and combining it with real life, not just theory, to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations and practical tools that will inspire you to get to the heart or the core of your child's behavior and make simple yet impactful changes. Hello and welcome. Today we have a special episode. They're one of my favorites to do because this is a real parent coaching call with one of my core members, Tiffany. And we are going to talk today about after-school meltdowns. It was the, your kids just started school the first week. And so perfect timing to address this and share with people, you know, some tips on how to navigate these tricky waters. So thank you so much, Tiffany, for being here. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. All right. So just for the the people tuning in, tell us you have a son and a daughter and go ahead and tell us a little bit about them, their ages, their grades and, and what they're like, what they like to do. Help us get to know your kiddos a little bit. So my daughter is five and she just started kindergarten this week. Um, so that was a big change. She has a feisty little personality, very strong personality. She is very confident about herself and she knows everything. That's kind of her personality. (laughs) My son is seven and he just started second grade this past week. He is a little more reserved and a little more worried about school than my daughter is. My daughter's just like, this is fun. This is great. And my son's more like, I don't know about this. Like, this is hard. (laughs) You know, it's so interesting. I feel like I have, um, we have very similar dynamics in our family as well between my first and my second. So I'm sure there'll be some common threads I can pull out between the two. So they both started school this past week. And how did that go? How did the first week go? The week went pretty well. Um, As far as school, my daughter loved her teacher and her class and came home like excited to tell me what she had done for the day. She was all smiles about school. Her emotions were up and down after school hours, like for the entire day, afternoon, after she got home, her emotions were everywhere. But she loved school. My son was the more apprehensive about his teacher and his class, and he enjoyed it. He said everything went well, but he was concerned that it was going to be hard. I think after the first day, he learned everything they were going to cover for the year, and he was concerned, saying, I don't know if I can do this, Mommy. Like, this is going to be a hard year. Yeah. Wow. Very perceptive. I think it's interesting, even just developmentally, the difference between five and a seven-year-old, how seven-year-olds are starting to be able to like zoom out a little bit more and just notice, be aware of a little bit more um, in that big picture thinking. That can be really tricky for the younger ones, not on their radar yet. So 
when I told you, I said, here are the topics. So I threw them out to the core members. I said, here are the topics. And you said after school meltdowns. And so tell us about first, before we get into what those look like, I'd really love to hear what is what is the after school routine right now? And will it change as the year goes on? I know in our family, school activities have not started yet. So it's a little different. So after school, both my husband and I work from home. So we are working 40 hour weeks, but we're home. So I have the flexibility to pick them up right when they get out of school, they come home, but I still have work to do. So they get some downtime. They usually are tired and just kind of want some quiet time. So that's when I give them like an hour of screen time and they can choose whatever they do, whatever they want to do with that hour. My daughter, a lot of times will watch something for like 10 minutes and be done with that. And she'll move on to playing on her own. She's more independent. My son, he will watch TV or play his iPad for the entire hour. Like he he doesn't get enough in his mind. <laughs> so after an hour, I usually take a break from work and I will have them go ahead and do homework after that, after they've had time to decompress after school. And during that hour that they were decompressing, they've had snack and all of that. So they're settled then I can get them started on their homework if they have any. My kindergartner hasn't had any yet, but um, my second grader has had homework every single night. So that's kind of the routine. And then after that, there's usually still another half hour or so that I'm finishing up work and then we're starting our evening routine. So when did the meltdowns start? Was there a certain time when the meltdowns seemed to peak more this past week? So for my son, it was around homework time. He was like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't want to do homework. We spent all summer not having homework. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do homework. And so I think that's a hard adjustment to get back to for him, even though the homework assignments this week were really easy, things that he knew how to do, things he had covered last year, they're all review. He just didn't like the idea of having to sit down and do homework. And most of it was like five minutes. It was like, okay, once we got him sat down and actually went through it. It was like, okay, you're done. That was really easy. And he agreed like, okay, I'm done. And you could see like the relief, but he wasn't like having a screaming fit or anything. Like it was just more whining, complaining, you know, arguing, no, I don't want to do it. That was his version. And then my daughter, she was just Every little thing that wasn't 100% her way, she was crying and just hysterical over little things that were happening. And she, I mean, things that she would put in her mind, like she started thinking about Halloween already. And she was like telling me what she wanted to be for Halloween and wanted me to take her to the store, like right this minute to go get this costume right now. And I'm like, mom is working, you know, you have to wait until I'm done. We're not going to the store today to get a Halloween costume, but we can talk about it. And she was like in tears screaming, no, I need it right now. So that was just one example of like every little thing that I said that was not what she wanted to hear. She was crying and screaming. So interesting too. My son brought up Halloween. I'm like, why is Halloween on the radar? And I'm wondering if maybe like 
when they were doing the calendar or overviewing the year's events or something like Mm -hmm. that, there was mention of it. And of course, kids, that's the first holiday that they can get excited about, right? Yeah. (laughs) They want to get ready right now. Yeah. I'm like, we have two months still. So hold on. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So how does that transition home? Like what is their general energy when they get into the car? Do you pick them up together? I'm assuming kindergarten, second grade. I pick them up together. Um, we live so close to our school that I walk to pick them up. So we walk home. Well, how nice. Ooh, this is good. How much time does it take you to walk home with them? Five minutes. Okay. Super close. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So the thing about after school meltdowns, this is great information to have. So I want to just start with this idea of after school meltdowns. And I always like to throw a caveat out there because after school meltdowns is there is this idea that especially during the new school year and the transitions, right? They're taking in so much information. There's this demand fatigue that happens. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily even saying the teacher is demanding anything of them constantly. It's like expectation fatigue of raise your hand if you have something to say. You know, don't talk while the teacher's talking. Walk in the hallways, walk behind your friends here's what you're doing. Like, you know, it's, there's so many expectations and all of those expectations are new. And anytime that our brain doesn't have that smooth pathway, like I understand, I liken it to um, when there's a, a cell phone update, you know, when my operating system on my cell phone gets updated and now all of a sudden my apps look different, the home screen looks different. There's new functions. So when I click it, it does something I'm not expecting. And now just using my phone is a really frustrating situation. And I have a very low frustration tolerance when it comes to technology. I'll just throw that out there about myself. So it's so exhausting. And then when they get into their space where they are familiar with things, their brain is kind of taking this big sigh of like, there we go. And is, is kind of trying to decompress and complete all those little stress cycles from the day. And yet now there are more demands. There are more expectations. And for your son, for example, homework, yeah, he's had it before. And yeah, it's easy. Like it's review work, so to speak. But this demand, it feels new. And it's on top of everything else that's been expected of him all day long. And so we get this outpouring this big emotional response. And for your daughter too, and another example of this for the after-school meltdowns is when they've just been holding it all together all day. Mm -hmm. And it's like going when you're working out and it's hitting that muscle fatigue and you've just done 25 pushups. What do you mean you can't do one more? You can always do one more. And you get halfway down and your body just collapses. Oh, no, you've hit muscle failure. It doesn't matter. Like you are not pushing yourself that fast, right? And it's that the brain, it's the same thing. Neurologically, it's just done. Mm -hmm. So the caveat I like to throw out to people is this should not happen all year long. I would not want to see this all year. If we are seeing it, and I do work with kids, especially if they're neurodivergent, because they're masking all day, every day. So When I tell parents, yes, afternoon restraint collapse can happen, but we don't want to normalize it to the point because then it means that the child is so stressed out all the time. No one deserves to be stressed out all the time like that. But times of change 
times of transition, that happens because stress is a part of change. So we want to try and keep that stress manageable and help them process that stress during these short little intervals. So this conversation can be applicable for the beginning of the school year, towards the end of the school year when they know that impending change is happening, before and after the holidays when there's excitement going on around and getting back into the groove, or before and after maybe they've been sick, they've been out of the routine for a while. But certainly, I would never want to normalize it to the point of it's happening every day after school all year. So that being said, really, that's what we want to focus on for these after-school meltdowns and after-school is completing the stress response, or um, I'm sorry, the stress cycle in children and giving them some time to decompress is great, but how do we add a little bit more intention to that? And what I love, what I picked right up on is you've got a, a five-minute walk home and there are so many things we can do in those five minutes on your way home that can kind of just help offload some of the stress. Sure. And before I get into, okay, let's list out the strategies. I want to go back to this idea that sometimes the stress cycle, sometimes the tantrum is needed. Sometimes she's got to let it all hang out. Sometimes it's almost like the disproportional reaction to not being able to go to the store and get her Halloween costume on a random Wednesday in the middle of August. (laughs) You know, like sometimes that tantrum, we just need to like roll out the red carpet for that. And like, I get it. And we need to know that this is a finite amount of time. After school won't always be this stressful. The next two Mm -hmm. weeks, I've just got to emotionally center myself so that I can be this container for her when she's experiencing these big emotions. Makes sense. These big blowouts. So on your way, so that's where like the five minute walk, not just home with your kids, but on your way to pick (laughs) them up, you know, is there a ritual or a routine or some kind of intention you can add to that time to really prepare yourself, ground yourself, because you working from home, it's great. It's got flexibility. I work from home too. I know how exhausting it can be from switching to that professional role into mom role back into professional role. So when I, I get a little, um, I call it buffer time between the role switching so that then I have more bandwidth to embrace the mom role. Do you already do that? Do you have any ritual on your way to school that you do or decompression tool for yourself? I haven't thought about that on the way to picking them up. I do that in the mornings, you know, to try to prepare myself for the day. Totally. But no, I haven't actually thought about specifically like while I'm walking to school, like preparing myself for what's to come. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it doesn't, and the thing I like to point out too, is it doesn't even necessarily have to be these hard emotions, right? These big, these big upsets that our children can experience. My son, my younger one, when he comes in the car, sometimes it's like this whirling tornado of like excitement and his energy is just, I'm very sensitive to it. It hits me like it's a lot to absorb, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're shaking your head. Yeah. Yeah. So in order to absorb that energy, I've got to ground myself in something. So I drive to pick up my kids. And something that I do in the car is I don't take phone calls. I have to stop that, like stop that role 
you know, I used to try Mm -hmm. and take client calls up until, you know, walking up to the school to get them. And I quickly realized that was not, I couldn't do that. It didn't give my brain enough time to reset. So in the car, I'll listen to either a song or a podcast. Sometimes I drive in silence Mm -hmm. and just center myself and ground myself. I'll eat a snack on my way to get them and drink water so that I know my blood sugar and my hydration are in check so that physiologically I'm prepared. So even if it's, you know, you're bringing a snack for yourself Mm -hmm. to eat on your way there, drinking water for me really helps me like that cool water helps ground and calm. Picking five things to focus on on your way there. There's so much power in just looking up at the sky and like, seeing bigness, it helps mm-hmm. ground us. Walking barefoot, if it's safe, having, well, right now if I'm in Florida. If you walk barefoot, you're going to burn the bottom of your feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in cooler weather, we can walk barefoot. So we're not burning the bottoms of our feet. But, you know, even sometimes like walking to the, even I'll walk out to my car and I'll do it barefoot and then throw the flip-flops in because in Florida, all we wear is flip-flops anyway. Um, <laughs> or walk out to get the mail. So I'm walking in the grass before I walk mm-hmm. back to my car. All of those things, just really centering myself or even a mantra or activating curiosity. And so then thinking of like a question that I can say or visualizing. Another thing I started doing too is visualizing that moment when I reconnect with my kids, when I see them again. What do I want my face to be like? What do I want them to feel like when they see me? And that's where I kind of wanted to start with the attunement process as well. Okay. So your your daughter comes out with a lot of energy, you said. She's really excited. Yes. She comes out. <laughs> she wants to tell me all about her day in like 30 seconds. And so one issue we had this week, I noticed because this is new, having my kids at the same school. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually it used to be two separate drop-offs, two separate pickups, and they had all of mommy's attention to themselves. So now I'm picking them both up and my daughter goes a mile a minute speaking to me. And my son's trying to tell me something. He's in the middle of telling me a story about something that happened. And my daughter cuts him off and speaks over him. And then next thing I know, they're kind of like pushing each other and angry because she won't let him speak and he's upset at her. And so we're trying to get through that process too. This conversation is made possible through my core membership program. If you want to dive deeper into parenting questions, connect with a like-minded community, have access to a huge database of workshops, guidebooks, and weekly Q&As with me so I can answer all of your parenting questions all for less than $20 a month. Go to www.kayleekukla.com backslash core to learn more. That's www.kaleykukla.com backslash C-O-R to learn more. It's also linked in the show notes. Now let's get back to our core conversation. So glad you brought that up because I had that question. I had that feeling that that also, because that happens in our car too. Now that they drive, I used to have a drive, a separate drive with my younger one, same thing. And now they're together. So I don't have that drive with him. And my younger one is like excited and wants to tell me he talks a mile a minute. He's very forceful is the wrong word. He's just more persistent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
than my older one who will kind of back off, but still get frustrated. Like, hey, you interrupted me. I was in the middle of something. So balancing that is really tricky. And that's going to look like different strategies and different scenarios. In your situation with the walking, you can use physical connection to kind of bridge that a little bit with him. Your daughter comes out, she's talking a mile a minute, she's got this wall. And so I think the first thing I would do is when you see them, one is we want that sparkle eye when we see them again, like, so good to see you, give them that physical connection. So it's touch, presence, eye contact in a playful situation. The playful situation could be as much as a smile. So good to see you. I'm miming it. You can't see it. Tiffany can see it, but listeners can't see it. And then, and that's from Becky Bailey's. I always want to credit those four elements come directly from Dr. Becky Bailey's conscious discipline. I love you rituals. Those are the four magic ingredients to get that hit of oxytocin in our brain, which is the bonding hormone, which is so important after a period of separation. And so then when you've got both of them by the hands, I would have a side conversation with your son at different, like at a different time, maybe at night around bedtime or something when it's just you and him and say, Hey, your sister has a lot to tell me after school, right? Have you noticed that? Yeah. She always interrupts me. And, you know, I want to tell you about something that happened and she doesn't stop. And, and these are things that my son has said about my other son before. She just, he just doesn't stop talking. And like, you know, I know. And, And it's really hard for her to stop talking and listen. And it's hard for me because I want to hear you both. So what if we played a squeeze game with our hands and you held my hands to remind me to listen or to ask you a question when she pauses or takes a breath or when she finishes? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's all the way she talks all the way when you get home. And then he squeezes your hands so you know he has something to tell you. And you take while she's going to get her snack or going to the bathroom or whatever it is she does once you walk in the door, you're sitting with him for a couple minutes before then you go back to work. And so he knows the purpose of that is he knows you're there, like you want to. He knows you're thinking about it and he still has that connection with you while you're walking home. Okay. I love that idea. Set yourself, you're ready to absorb their energy. And then the other piece of this too is the idea of attunement attuning to both kids. And what I love about this example is both of your children are so different. They have such different energy. And that can be really tricky because different energy from different kids requires different responses from us. And so with your daughter, it might be, there was, you guys saw a bunny out the window today. Oh my goodness. What was it doing? You might get a little more energy, like enthusiasm in your voice where your son Mm -hmm. is like, it was really hard today. The teacher said, you know, the science lesson I didn't understand. And now I have homework. Now you've got to shift and say, oh, bud, hmm, that does sound tricky. I'll sit with you. We can figure this out together. I can sit Mm -hmm. with you during homework time and we'll figure it out. I just shifted my energy from the, oh, there was a bunny to, oh, wow, that does sound tricky. And so I'm observing. So what I tell parents too is, let your child, when we are greeting them with that eager face and that it's like, oh, it's so good to see you, that light up, take a moment and do a quick scan. Scan them down. Scan where their eye, the trick to attunement is look at the eyes. Look at their face. 
are they looking kind of downcast? Are they quiet? Do they seem kind of like low, like shrugged more towards the ground? Or are they, uh, are their eyes lit up? Are they looking at you? That's going to cue us in to like, how should I return this? What energy should I meet them with? Because I've seen it where parents, um, hey, bud, how's your day? And the kid kind of just recoils like Mm -hmm. too much. And then it kind of shuts them down. So just by setting the the tone at the very beginning is going to help with that, with that transition and send the message that like, if you're having that meltdown, I got you. I got this. Yeah. That makes sense. They're total different things and that, that will help. So then I want to get into with the remaining time, that's kind of like setting it up. I like that you really said the different to their bubbling feelings from school really manifest in different ways. So your son, it's the homework, it's the whining. This is too hard. I'm wondering if initiating the homework in a different way might help him ease into it a little bit more so it doesn't feel so daunting. Okay. It sounds like he just feels very overwhelmed right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's I a think lot. so. This first week is hard. And so when I think of an overwhelmed person, not even a child, me, for example, so often that first step is the most overwhelming. And the technical term for that is task initiation. Just initiating the task is the hardest part. And that is a lagging skill in early childhood. That's one of those executive functions that can be really tricky for them, especially when they're exhausted after a long day. My son actually had summer homework and it was like pulling teeth. Like, you know, I'm like, dude, you have four, literally four math problems a week to do. A week, like no big deal, right? In my mind, I'm like, just, and in my adult brain, I'm like, just sit down, get them done. And then we don't have to talk about this anymore. We don't have to do it, right? You were saying it's like five minutes. It's easy homework. We don't. So this is what I did. Well, I hate saying it worked. It helped. I would say, hey, you know, we haven't done summer homework yet this week. So you could say, oh man, got to check your homework for today. You know, let's just take a look and see what it is. My goal Mm -hmm. is not to do it. It's not to get him sit down and do it, right? But what have I just done? I've initiated the task. Getting out the folder and taking a look at it is step one. Okay. That's task initiation right there. And here's the other thing is, this is modeling a really great study habit skill or work habit skill of let's just scan over and see what we've got to do. Let's just look it over because then by just scanning through and looking it over, what I'm also doing is I'm supporting another executive function, right? Which which is task analysis, which is all these little tasks into one big, because doing your homework is a big task. Mm -hmm. Looking at, oh, well, these are, these are just, um, let's say math. These are addition problems up here. And then there's two word problems at the bottom. And then this is the kids looking at it too. And my son would go, oh, well, these are easy. I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know how to do, okay, well, go ahead and do it. And then I'm sitting next to him, I'm doing, I'm busying myself and he finishes. I'm like, you did do that. You did know how to do that. Wow. Okay, well, you've got two word problems left. You want to read them together? Right? So now we're just, we're chunking it and we're, we're supporting those skills and we're making it 
more about the connection and less about just do your homework. Just get it done. It's no big deal. It doesn't, it takes five minutes once you get started. You know, well, getting started is is the problem. Yeah. Right. So when he's overwhelmed, I think, you know, especially in these early weeks of school, it's so easy. Even the easy things feel overwhelming because there's just in general so much going on that the default state is overwhelmed. Yeah. I think it's a different process for homework than what he had last year too. So last year he would get a packet on Monday and he would have the entire week to finish it. And Mm -hmm. so if we had a night where he had a sport practice or something that it was just too much going on, we might not do one page that night, but we would do two pages a different night and we Mm -hmm. could kind of chunk it out. And he now has like homework, like one paper coming home each night, but it has to be done that night and it has to be turned Mm -hmm. in the next day. And so we can't kind of choose what works for our schedule he has to sit down and he, I think the first week he was just overwhelmed with that. Yeah, it's new. It's very new. And so recognizing, okay, where's this overwhelm coming from? I think that's a great observation and building it into the routine and help support those skills that children just are easily overwhelmed by. Mm-hmm. Which is, ha- and I think all adults too, when we're already in an overwhelmed state or feeling anxious simple things like calling the doctor to reschedule a doctor's appointment feels really overwhelming mm-hmm. because it's just one more thing I have to get done. And the hardest part is finding the time and saying, okay, I'm going to dial the number and get out my calendar and look at when I can reschedule it. Right. Just starting. <laughs> yeah. It's just starting. It's picking up the phone <laughs> in our time. <Yeah. laughs> and so then for your daughter, I would say, my goal here isn't necessarily to stop the tantrums. Like that'd be great if we could just not have them. It's recognizing where they're coming from and also maybe giving her some extra support into completing that stress cycle. So ways to complete the stress cycle are things like movement or peekaboo or hide and seek, that disconnection and reconnection and creating belly laughs. So that's one of my things I've been trying to do with my kids every day is find something to laugh about with them. Because screaming and crying is a cathartic release that completes our stress cycle. So is laughter. Hmm. Okay. So my kids lately have been really tickled by just like really silly, almost like three stooges humor. Okay. Like mom and dad being really goofy or like bumping into things or tripping and falling. And I mean, they were like rolling on the floor, laughing, cackling the other day at me. And I just, and so this is a part of the attunement. I would try something playful, let's say trip, like, oh, whoops, you know, silly adult. And then look at them and catch their eye and kind of do this like awkward pause and see, did they think that was funny? And if they did kind of think it was funny, I might take it to the next level and make it bigger and sillier. So this is something we do in the Get Silly Challenge that's going to be coming up in um, a few weeks, but we've done it as core members. We do it, I, I think twice a year, I've tried to do it where we can do things like playful pauses or silly movement, mirroring her and then kind of freezing deer in the headlights and she looks at you and then you go, oh, 
<laughs> and then you kind of duck behind something really fast and then peek out. This would be a great thing for you to transition out of the workspace back into the mom role because mm-hmm. you're right away starting to create these playful moments to not only reconnect, but also allow her to complete these stress cycles that she's had pent up all day before you even initiate anything else like dinner, prep, bath time, bedtime, any of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you recall any of the Get Silly content? No, I don't think I was a member when the last time you did that. So no, I'm curious. Awesome. Okay. I have a saved saved version of it in the vault that you can access now in the workbook. But we it's really fun to do it live because I do daily lives and then give you guys like real life examples of what I do with my boys. But these are all really easy to embed in the routines. So this might be, for example, Invisible Child is a game that I love playing with my kids all the time, right? And most parents are like, we do a version of that. Uh (laughs) We do that. Like you sit on your kids, you pretend like you can't see them on the couch and you sit down on them. And why is the couch so lumpy? Why is it moving? Oh gosh. And the kid is belly laughing hysterically, you know, behind dad's And that's something you can do while they're, you know, while you're walking out after working and they're still sitting on the couch, like with an iPad, I wouldn't necessarily, again, attuning to your child and knowing them Mm -hmm. is really important. But sometimes I'll do that with my kids when they're coming off their TV time, I'll sit down next to them and then I'll kind of lean on them and say, man, I'm just so tired. I want to lay down and take a nap. And finally the TV is, is turning off. And what is that? And even my eight-year-old, like he totally knows I'm being ridiculous and silly, Mm -hmm. but he can't help but laugh because mom's being ridiculous and silly. (laughs) I love that. So we focus on games like that. And again, how to make them bigger and sillier. And also for the more sensitive kids, the more reserved kids, how to kind of back off and make them less silly and less ridiculous because that might be too much for them. You might have to go more subtle with them and play those games like that. So a more subtle version of that might just be you peeking around the corner and waiting for him to make eye contact with you and ducking back behind the corner and then sticking your head back out. (laughs) And he's like, mom, what are you doing? You know, (laughs) I didn't want you to see me or tell your dad I'm standing right here. I don't want daddy to see me. I'm sneaking around the, the kitchen to get, to get him a drink to surprise him or something like that Mm -hmm. you know like and then don't give me away my kids like to play spies so that might be something you do is like playing spies and it's a surprise for dad so little subtle games like that for them and embedding those in the daily routine to create those stress cycle completion and can reconnection can be really helpful too awesome thank you great suggestions thank you so much and I hope Like I said, the after school meltdowns, the mantra for me is, okay, this too shall pass. Change is uncomfortable. We've got to just get through the change. And if it continues past a few weeks, then I start asking, okay, is this stress overload? Do we need to maybe adjust something? Or do I need to reach out to the teacher and ask her like, what is going on at school? You know, But I I really do expect it these first few weeks and sometimes just embedding these playful moments and being really intentional with our own energy when we see our kiddos and reconnect with them can be really helpful um, in the interim time while the adjustment is happening. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. 
I am looking forward to working on more silliness and trying that route and also with the homework strategies and trying to get him just to initiate. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany, for your time. Thank you for joining me. And I just know that this is so relatable to so many other families. And I'm sure it's helpful for them to just hear those real life examples of, you know, and talk through those. So thanks for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.